0: That's the the last Swahili for the morning. It's all in English from here. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. Uh, I bring greetings. This is a very Tanzanian thing to do. I bring greetings from Joel and Pendo. Many of you know Joel and Pendo Simbiti. They say hello. Uh, Mika and Happiness and Gusa. Hello. Actually, they say, uh, never mind. Um, They love you here. They love you so much. And also NTC says hello, and their greetings include thank you with gratitude for sending us this team. You know, Susan and I had such a great time with them. This church has been really good to be part of, but also to see, you know, you're extending your reach of ministry, and we'll get to watch that. And they said thank you, you know, so it's so good to be here with you today. You know, it's always an honor anywhere you get to open up the Word of God, that's an honor. But here, today, with you, wow. May God's great goodness break into our hearts this morning, right? So uh, I how to use these like the pros. We don't have this kind of stuff in Tanzania. This is for Scott. Susan and I live here in Tanzania. I teach Bible theology and missions at NASA Theological, East Africa, the northern part of Tanzania, southern shore of the lake. Many of you have been there. Many of you have been there before I was even part of this church. So I teach Bible and theology, right? Primarily, I mean, I do a lot of other stuff, but primarily I'm a teacher, which means primarily as a teacher, I'm learning all the time, studying the Word of God. And it turns out I love this job. Like you should go to seminary. It's cool. The stuff that's in here is a lot more than I thought you know before studying. Anyway, not all of you can do that and keep your job, so you know I'll have to do that. But uh, a little preliminary work. I do this in most classes. Revelation and theology are not the same thing. Who does revelation? Who does theology? God reveals. We have His word. Who does theology? We do. Uh, also, the word dialogue is coming from the same core. We think about, we study, we interact, we relate with God and His Word, with each other in the world. So, you're all theologians at some level. That's another class. God does the revealing. So, how do we build our understanding of this theology that's been Christian theology for 2,000 years? We start at the center of the revelation and we work up, right? And so when you study the word of God, it's like a lot of other studies. You can study at the panoramic level of the whole Bible. Uh, there's one story of God and man. It doesn't take much to catch. That's, that's the point of the whole book. And uh, from the beginning of time, God is very active, caringly active in history. And along the way, he drops language to us, human language within the history mix so we can triangulate, is this true? And it is. And it's knowable. So that's preliminary work. You know, you can go to the details also, the verses and the, the, the sometimes just the words or the way a phrase is put. Um, and it, it's like a, a majestic masterpiece of communication. You know, you think of artists. The content has to be there, but also how it's put together, right? The meaning at the nuts and bolts, unshakable. When it's put together at the details, you capture something that makes the whole picture better. When you come up into the places above, a pericope, a paragraph, something like that, all the way to the units, you know, when Matthew puts it together, there's a structure that tells us something about what Matthew's doing when he presents Christ. That's very different than what Mark's doing. This on the way section in the center of Mark tells you something. The travelogue of Luke tells you something and then you get the details. So you're catching that, right? This isn't, you know, class I usually teach. (laughs) Uh, So the first area, when you go in and out to the levels, you're going to learn about God. So we have this thing called theology proper. That's the first class you're going to take. Who is God? What is his character? What is his nature? What are his attributes? Love. You know, we have love. He is love. We have light. He is love. Is light, life, goodness, and there's a component of this uh, this attribute nature of God. It goes forth; it just naturally goes, radiates. Hebrew says the sun radiation, the radiate, a complete radiation of God. So there's this sense that uh, you know eternal is how long it goes, everlasting is how long the resource is available, never ending. Never let you go means something when it's from God, right? So anyway, we don't have time for that class. Uh, The next one, I just finished a course last term on uh, anthropology and homartiology. This is the study of humans and sin. Do you know God is concerned about you and the condition you're in, enough to communicate to you about who you are and the condition you're in? Uh, the evil, suffering, pain, beauty, good, the description of our malady, you know, the diagnosis of our problem, the description of the remedy, it's all in there. Did you know that? <laughs> Origins, destinies, is there any meaning in life? Is there a purpose for my life? Already in there. All of it. Clearly, using human language, knowable, able to be known. If only we would get in there and do that. Not for your head, for life, know his word for life, right? So anyway, that's what I do at NASA Theological College. So today, in this missions conference, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about an ingredient in missions that's come to me growing while I've been there in Tanzania. In some ways, you already know it, but it's got a little different taste to it now. I'd like to share this aspect that's been growing. We're going to look at this question, the making of a missionary. I've been teaching in this very different culture, right? So when you go to another culture, you should try this. Ellie has done it. How do you talk to people who are just not like you? Imagine his pain trying to help Midwesterners understand truth. (laughs) but he's doing it. Good job, man. <laughs> he's been my older brother. I want to be like him when I grow up. Um, you start a conversation and it gets bogged down pretty quickly at some basic points. I thought I was bringing the basics, and they're like, what's that word? What's that word? What's that word? You got to do so much pre-basic work to get to the basics. Okay, now. Okay, class is over. See you next week. <laughs> Is it possible one day we can do this basic stuff enough Is there a bedrock? And one day we can actually have the conversation we wanted to have. I mean, that's, that's life where I'm living, right? And they have the same thing when they try to tell me something. How do we start with the Zumzungu? Okay, that's Swahili for, you know, like gringo. <clears throat> um, you don't have the same perceptions of even what reality is. But I want you to catch something. This deep work of pre-work, pre-basic work, this bedrock stuff has been awesome. It's been very good for me. It has, it's helped me to capture the bedrock of everything we think about in a new way because you have to go in their culture with that, if that makes sense. Uh, this bedrock, it turns out, we can all start there. God didn't write the English language as his Bible We got it now, but he's spoken in a way that the translation in every language can go to this same bedrock. Koreans are at the same bedrock as the Kowalong people that we met in 2010 in New Guinea. The Antakarana people, Doug and Lisa, their son and daughter, working there at the Antakarana people. And they're all coming to the same bedrock, and we are coming together at the bedrock and building up together around the planet. Do you know, actually, this is happening a lot. The church around the planet is working together more and more frustratingly because of these pre-conversations we kinda keep having, but also in a way that when the unity comes, it's getting more solid in some places, you know? So this morning, we're gonna do today's conversation in three basic phases. First, a story. uh, I'm gonna walk through what happened in class. How can culture I want you to think about this story, right, and just to enjoy the story of Tanzania, but in your own head, how can your own cultural mindset about what is cause you to bring the word of God in and get it wrong? Deadly wrong in some cases. Uh, Second, we're going to look at what is this bedrock then, brief look there in the gospel. Third, we're going to look at Peter, the transformation of the apostle Peter, (laughs) breaking out of his own cultural expectations of what what God's going to do when Messiah comes. All right, so that's what we're heading into. Now, a Jewish tradesman, this guy Peter, you're a tradesman, some of you. Could you go, go from a tradesman, become so transformed into Christ, that's disciple, that you can enter into the home of a Gentile, it's illegal to go into the home of a Gentile as a good Jewish man. Could you go from tradesman to capable of doing that thing and find a brother? That's missions. So I put a little cool slide to you. You got to do these things as a teacher. I used to do things that were all out of my head. It works better when you write it down. First, the story, right? So can culture cloud what we think's going on in the gospel. So I talk with pastors all around the country. They send us to, anyway, and I talk to other leaders, businessmen, whatever, and I'm trying to always learn culture, right? How do you do this? Why do you do that? Where does it start from? What are the things you're looking for, like opportunities and dreams? What are the things you're most afraid of? What are the things you're working on? What are the challenges for the church? We have these conversations all the time. Then I bring all that stuff into the classroom whenever it fits within some subject. And I learn actually a lot better what's really going on. So I still don't know. It's gonna take like 40 years, but it's very different there. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been a fun process, this back and forth. So one day I'm beginning this new class. Uh, I taught a term on worship. What is worship? That's pretty cool. That was a good class. So I started with, okay, where would your culture be? Is there even a term for worship? Like, let's go out to this village, Shigala, And let's pull away any knowledge of Christianity. They don't know that. They don't know any Islam. They don't know any other. Would they even have this word worship? And they're like, yeah. I mean, they're laughing sometimes. Of course. What's wrong with you, man? And uh, so, okay, if there's worship, what does that mean? These guys are trying to tell me, it's easy for them to say. The first guy, Hamed Bonga. I love that guy. He goes, uh, worship is sacrifice. Like, I thought you're the teacher. (laughs) Worship is sacrifice, I'm like, tell me more about that. And now now they had the same problem. How do I help you understand what's going on here? They gotta go do their pre-work with me. And the summary of that is gonna be, okay, so when Kanuti says, uh, you know we're living in the physical world, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, there's the spirits all around us. If you were here, no. In our culture, there's not spirits all around us. We already know that. Science has already gotten rid of all that crap. I'm not sure you're supposed to say that in a sermon, but that's how the culture treats it. So I'll go back to Africa if I need to. Um, but there, you don't even have to talk this pre-basic. Spirits are around us. Now, the ones who have recently died, they're still pretty close to us. So the idea is we're in the physical world, Spiritual, uh, physical kind of condition. Spirits are in spiritual kind of condition, and we're in the same place, the ones who have recently died. Now, what you want is spiritual power. You want blessings. You'd like those from God, but God, way distant. There's no way God's got any care about your life if you're in Shigala. People who've been dead for a long time, their spirits have learned how to get closer to the source of power. I'm getting closer to God. I'm becoming a man of power or a spirit of power and blessings. This is the joyful pursuit, or what, maybe not joyful, it's a dog-eat-dog dog or whatever, once you're in the spirit world. But same thing's happening here, Marlene, uh teacher. Um, in the physical world, there are people who are practiced in trying to get kind of close to the spiritual side. And their families do this all the time. We might say the word witch doctor or medium, someone like that. Now, these people, they can, they're not going to bring God's stuff to He's too far out. But spirits who've just died have some more spiritual power. So if we can make the recently dead happy and the one who's practicing connecting with them happy, sacrifice, worship, then this is the way for us to bring protection for our family, blessing for our crops, healing. You see, the, you see what's happening? Worship. So I'm saying to them, all right, uh, let me capture this if I got it right. So I put this up on the board. Uh, whoops. Go back one. That one's coming up. All right, yeah. If then, if then, If I, I think you're saying, if I do this thing right over here, I'll get this thing over here. Is that right? Is that what we're saying? Yes. Okay. So in your village, what are some things you're going to, you got to pay costly price in a way that the man of power or the woman of power uh, and the recently dead spirits will take you seriously? So I say, what are some of those things? Well, our loved one is sick. You know, even if you just get a cold, you, you could die in these villages from complications. There's not, there's not medical clinics very often, and if there are, you might get sick from a medical clinic. Drought. We are so poor here. There really is such poverty. If our crops don't come through, we may not be eating. We need blessing, protection, power. Is that Good question is, uh, we're going to talk about two things that are happening among people who hear about Christianity with this as the backdrop, and my question is, is this triggering anything for you in your own culture? Here's what God's supposed to do. God's give us protection, blessing, power. So our first section, how can our culture possibly cause us to understand the gospel and do it quabidi with all of our might wrong so so i'm with joel somebody one day we're uh, in 2018 we're doing some sermons in a village in january they had learned the gospel for the first time it's way out there and uh, i i live way out there and i'm saying it's way out there um and and uh probably April, so four months, three or four months from when they first learned anything, and we're doing one day on the Word of God, one day on prayer, one day on the body of Christ, different things. And at the end of each day, Joel stands up, he's doing the translating, When he stands up at the end for prayer. Tuwambe, let us pray. Everybody leaves their seats and runs up and crowds around him in a circle, like this, and they're all trying to touch him while he prays. He has become better witch doctor. Holy Spirit, right? Skip the line and go straight to God through this man. Way better witch doctor. It takes six months to a year, he tells us, to disciple people into not only who Christ is as the answer, but what the question even is. It's not the same. Does that make sense? Um, so, here's how the gospel false gospel we read all through the new testament is spreading in africa we have these men of power come to my church i will bless you your family will be healed i was at a sermon one time i don't even can't believe i was there i was on stage i got hijacked this guy is preaching and i'm on tv as as if i'm with him and you just thank god he's with you right and he says, even if you're short, all the women will come to you if you can get anointed by the man of power. At church, amen? No, it's strangling people who already are in desperate need. See what I'm saying? Okay, that's, that's round one. I wish I could talk longer about that. Let's get forward. <laughs> uh, the next thing we're going to look here at is the making of a Missionary is the making of a disciple what do i mean by that if i'm having this conversation with these guys and there is a bedrock what is the bedrock doesn't matter what culture you're coming from and what you have to have stripped off of you to catch it is there a bedrock is there a true center of the gospel is there some place where the source of everything comes from the original Uh, everything you know is based on it and if it's not everything you have will fall apart and jesus says clearly i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me john 14. john 6 jesus has fed the five thousand, and he's teaching directly you know, you've had the bread now. Let me teach you about bread. And when he teaches, he's using language. Go back and read John six. It's kinda, kinda creepy. If you don't understand what's going on, you gotta, I gotta eat you? That's cannibalism. <laughs> and it's too hard of a saying, we're out of here. And Jesus says to the disciples, are you with me? Are you gonna go? What are you gonna do? And in the middle of this, Can I say creepy teaching if you have the perspective they have of the Messiah? Lord, to whom am I going to go? You have the words of life. The disciples came to know for sure that Jesus Christ himself is the center. He himself is the bedrock. The bedrock is a who. Who he is and what he has done. or something far more than just following a guy as a good example. Something's happening here. And and the disciples are getting this. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Now remember, Corinth, they're a church. It's like you. Imagine Paul writing to you. I want to make this clear for you, brothers and sisters, this gospel on which we stand, bedrock. And by which you, you're already Christians, hear this. Are being saved ongoing transformation. He's talking to people who are already following Christ. I want you to understand what is the bedrock and what is the ongoing transformation. And I pass this along to you as first importance. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, he was buried. It really happened, and he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Everything rests on that. And notice Paul's statement in there. uh, You're already following, and there's a continuation process. You're being saved. Christ is the bedrock, and here's the main idea for today. Central slide. You hear the main idea? Am I doing better? I'm kidding. <laughs> main idea. Every person who is already following Jesus Christ with ever-increasing passion regularly experiences this confrontation of what I thought God is doing or what I wish God would be doing and what he is, in fact, actually doing. It hits all of us. We're gonna see this in the life of Peter. He's becoming a disciple. The ongoing transformation of this salvation, of being saved, ever increasingly, and every layer he breaks through makes his capacity to reach others expand, missionary. So last part here, 1145, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, Peter's missionary journey, a transformation story. Just think about this thing as if you're in Shigala learning, no, Joel is not the witch doctor. Christ has broken all the way through the barrier. Here, no, whatever you're wrestling with, there is a, a solid foundation that is the center. I'm not agreeing with it in my head. My whole life is or is not that. Let's watch Peter go through, okay? Um, First, what's his worldview? Let's, Let's try to figure out if you were Peter at this time, you're waiting for the Messiah, you're a good Jewish boy in Jerusalem, and you're a fisherman, so you're a tradesman, and what do you know? What do you know Messiahs do? What do you know Messiahs will do? There's not Messiahs, there's one. The Old Testament prophecy is loaded with things about the Messiah. We don't have time today. You could study for a whole year on just that question. What? are the prophecies that get fulfilled in Christ. Not today. So what are we expecting? Messiah is God's promised deliverer of the people of Israel. He will rule forever on the throne of David. We're doing good. Uh, what do we expect from Messiah? Did Messiah rule for Peter On the throne of David? What are we expecting from what we thought we knew? What's he actually doing? Uh, All the nations will serve him. How's Israel doing with that? (laughs) All the blessings of being ruled by Messiah will pour out from Jerusalem into the whole world. All of the blessings from the world will pour back into Jerusalem for God's people. When is this going to happen? So when you think, what if the Messiah called me to follow him? What's that going to look like? Who are my enemies going to be? Like the the Babylonian, Assyrian types, Rome. Jesus is taking Rome down. Yes, I will follow you. We can get our economy independent. Finally. Where's worship gonna take place? Uh, Well, the temple, of course, everybody's gonna come from the world to the temple, right? To meet Messiah. Imagine being told, go. You are the temple now. What does that do to you? What type of food are you gonna be able to have? (laughs) Who are gonna be the core leaders of this Messiah? When is this gonna happen? Okay, he shows up, that's what's in your head. So to Peter. Seven vignettes. First, Matthew 4, Christ calls the disciples. As he was walking by the sea, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were casting their nets into the sea. Don't you love commentary? Because they were fishermen. What are you? Christ is calling some to become his inner circle of followers, and he's going to make them the leaders. And do you see this? I will. This is coming from the one who said, Let there be light, and there was light. This is the one who has called all of reality into existence by the word of his power. And I will turn you into. A follower of Christ, doing what he's doing. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, what he's doing, kingdom. How we do it, righteousness. I will turn you into that. Peter, how's he doing? Uh, They left their nets immediately and followed him. So if you're scoring, how's our guy doing? Immediately follows. Our talk today is not about, are you following Christ? This is just the first vignette. Our talk today is about for those of us who are already following Christ. Are you going to, like Peter, will you allow God to completely wreck every idea you thought you had about what that means? What will you be doing if you follow him? Vignette two. John 6, we already talked about it. He feeds the 5,000. They don't want anything of what he's teaching. You don't want to go away also, do you? See, people everywhere, they have these expectations of what is God doing, if, then. This guy's giving us the blessings. So they follow him, and he teaches them. And they go, this is too hard. I'm out of here. Are you leaving too? No. Where would we go? You're the only one. Who has the words of life? We have come to believe and to know you are the Holy One of God. How's that guy doing? Uh, Vignette 3, Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they answered. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, you know, one of the other prophets that you know is not in there. I added that. He says to them, but who do you say I am? See, Jesus has been doing things in the world for long enough now by Matthew 16. Everyone is trying to figure this guy out. One thing is clear. He is not an ordinary person. Who is he? Who is this guy? They've been with him. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, this is the word Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, answered him, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood, this physical world understanding of reality, did not give that thing to you, but my Father in heaven. Vignette number 4 He's doing pretty good, right? You're doing pretty good, right? So in vignette number four, Matthew chapter 16, eight verses later, Jesus is teaching explicitly that he must be killed. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of Rome? The elders, the chief priests, experts in the law. And on the third day he'll be raised. Peter? So Peter took him aside to rebuke him. Do you rebuke your God who created you, who died to give you his eternal life as the foundation? Anyway, Yes is the answer if you don't know that. God forbid, this must not happen to you. Messiahs don't die. How do you rule forever? It says you have to rule forever. That's a weak God. So Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You know this, you're a stumbling block. You're a stumbling block. I have a plan and you're putting something in the way of my plan. Because you are not setting your mind on God's, interests you're setting your mind on your man's interests and then he says to all of them if anyone wants to follow me actually it says become my follower follow me is an action become one who is letting God do to you what he's doing to you he must deny himself and take up his cross and action follow me For whoever wants to save his life and get this, will lose it. Whoever wants, whoever's willing, whoever will engage with me in losing his life for my sake, for what I'm doing, he will find it. How's he doing now? How are we doing at engaging Christ in what he's doing? and letting die what I'm doing and what he should be doing for me. Vignette 5, Matthew 26. The night before he dies, I'm going to die. I've been telling you this. This is our last supper. Remember, you're the one who's still following him. Then Jesus said to them, this night you will fall away because of me. You know, the Old Testament says the stri- shepherd will be struck. Someone else strikes the shepherd. And then his people will f- flee, scatter. They're scattering in the prophecy because someone struck the shepherd. But That's not what Jesus says. I'm doing something. I've been telling you I'm going to die. I'm going to be the bedrock of your eternal life, and you're going to run because of what I'm doing. Catch that. But after... I will be raised. And when I'm raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Don't miss that phrasing. Because of me. Peter, if they all fall away, I will never fall away. I'm not sure that wasn't in there. We have to be careful about how our bravado can make us follow God with a confidence that's empty. Be careful of that. So Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth on this night, (laughs) before the rooster crows, you will deny me. Peter says, even if I must die, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. I want you to catch something here. Peter is no longer saying you can't die. He's moved along. Okay, you're dying. I don't really like this. Even if I must die. We're going to say he's getting better, right? But now if you think about the language here I don't know if you see this Peter is flat out correcting Jesus with his expression of loyalty what you have declared about my character and my loyalty is wrong, God I will hang with you I don't need what you think I need I got this. You know what happened. Christ died. He did. It really happened. He was buried. It really happened. And he rose from the dead. It really happened. No one saw that coming. I'm gonna die. Gonna die. Gonna... No one saw that coming. And you remember, he's walking along the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. <laughs> Just this little captured phrase. How slow of heart. <laughs> How long have they had Torah? How long have they had the prophets? How how do you you have something for hundreds of years? Slow of heart. Anyway. It's easy for us now because we know the whole story. Imagine being in what you don't know yet and following. That's what we're talking about. All the prophets have spoken. So, so slow to believe that. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Like, this is... Bedrock stuff, and you're up here following Christ to throw off Rome, and you're missing the thing that was always right in front of you. Vignette number six Christ restores Peter, John 21. And Christ is revealing himself again here in a very familiar way. Throw your nets on the other side, huge loads of fish, the net doesn't break, come have breakfast. I'm remembering this thing. And then this thing, you know, do you love me? And, and if any of us have been walking with God for any length of time, um, in our hearts we know this answer. Kind of a little bit heavy. Yeah, we do love you, Lord. We've been following you. But we've come to this realization, I don't know what that means, really. I don't know what you mean. I'm not able to really figure out what you're doing. I can't go do all those things I said I would do for you. You know this, but I love you, yes. And this, this, this Jesus says, the very last phrase he says to Peter follow me. All that stuff from Matthew 4 to the end of the gospel follow me and I will. And you have no idea what's coming. Now follow me. He's so good. He'll meet you in your brokenness where you've been following him and following. And say, I got this in my, in my son, follow me. Now remember, our central point, every person who is already following Jesus Christ with ever-increasing passion regularly experiences this confrontation between what I thought God was doing or what I wanted him to be doing and what he's actually in fact doing. He's doing it in us, and while he's doing it in us and to us, he's doing it in the world through us. Now, for sure, Peter has a lot more lessons to learn, but something's happened here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. And when Christ sends the Holy Spirit of God into the world, we see a radically different group of disciples. Wait for my Holy Spirit. He says, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be witnesses. You will. Not not commanding, go. You will. Here in Jerusalem, once the church is established, we'll go into Judea and Samaria. And once that's growing, we'll go into the entire earth. There's the outline of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem. uh, Acts 2 through 7. Judea, Samaria, Acts 8 and 9. And Peter is introducing the gospel to the Gentiles at the beginning of chapter 10. Remember, it's illegal to go into the home of a Gentile. Whatever you thought Messiah was, he's about to do this thing. Um, I don't have time to do all of this. You guys want to hang out through lunch? The Spirit does come. The church is established. Peter preaches what Christ said. The words will come to you because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. They've, they've made it past this massive hump. The rest of my walk with God will only be fruitful in the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit being with me, in me, his power. Everything else I try to do for him will not work. I know that. That massive hurdle has happened, and these guys live differently. One commentator, uh, Lexham Dictionary, talks about Peter is now preaching with boldness A couple of months later, in front of the very people he fled from when Christ died. That's not he got the lesson and became a good student. That's the power and righteousness of God in the resurrected life, put into Peter and the Holy Spirit, and now just be willing and watch me work. Missionary. Everything changed. So we have a final vignette. I just skipped a lot of stuff. I hate doing that. Come back next week for class. Um, (laughs) Ultimately, Peter gives his life in crucifixion. If you read a a historical book, it's not in the Bible, but if you read Clement, um, you'll learn that he actually, he, he went all the way to his own death on a cross. Upside down, I'm not worthy to be hung on a cross like my savior. Where God's gonna take you? I don't think we are. And yet we want this, because of the bedrock of everlasting life. So we're gonna to go to Luke I mean, sorry Acts chapter 10. You know, usually we read the word at the beginning of the sermon. We're gonna finish standing and reading the word of God in a minute. And as we're doing this, I'd just like you to think about this. Historically, without a doubt, Peter is not supposed to be here. It's illegal, if you're a good Jewish person. As one who followed the Old Testament, when Christ arrived, Peter knew a Jewish person is not supposed to be in the home of a Gentile. And yet Peter is now convinced. That God is doing things far beyond whatever I originally thought he was gonna do. To me, in me, through me. So as we're looking at this, I'd like you to think of this making of a missionary in your own life, this continual growth. Uh, While we're reading this, just ask ask God to kind of bring to your mind where you've been broken through already and you're doing things you never thought you could have done. That's a good memory. But also ask him, what's the thing you want for me now to be willing to go into that makes no sense based on your word? Not based on some bad pizza you had last night I heard from God, based on the word. So let's read Acts chapter 10. In this transformation of you as a disciple, are you all the way on the bedrock, filled with the Spirit who comes only because of that bedrock, being transformed so that my life is now more about what his life is about? Acts chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 28. Let's go ahead and stand. He, Peter, said to them, the Gentiles. You know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile, and yet God has shown me that I should call no person unclean or defiled. Therefore, when you sent for me, I came without objection. Now, may I ask you, why did you send for me? And Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this very hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Suddenly a man in shining clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayers has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered by God. Therefore, send to Joppa, summon Simon, who's called Peter. This man is staying as a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you at once and you were kind enough to come. So now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to say to us. And then Peter started speaking, I now truly understand. I'm sorry, I'm gonna do that again. I now, the beginning of his message, I now truly understand. God does not show favoritism in dealing with people, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is welcome before him. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel (laughs) proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee and after the baptism of John, that John announced. With respect to Jesus from Nazareth, that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him. by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and caused him to be seen. Not by all of the people, but by us, the witnesses God had already chosen, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to warn them, he is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And about him, all of the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of those who heard the message. He didn't even finish the message and they're getting saved. Get interrupted in your message. They're just getting saved. What's next? The circumcised, verse 45, believers who had accompanied Peter were greatly astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even onto these Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, no one can withhold the water for these people to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? So he gave orders to have them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for several days. Our great God and King, we thank you for coming. Our Father, we thank you for sending. Our Holy Spirit, I thank you for being in us and with us. There is uh, so much that we still need to learn. But I thank you that it's there to be known at the basic levels in all, for all of us. You sent your son as the center of all reality. And in the end, those who have placed their life in him will not be ashamed. But every culture, including ours, including maybe even our culture here at East White Oak, we have ways to cloud this thing you've done to us and for us. And so we ask you to come in and bring us the joy of all you have already done in this house. And yet we ask you humbly and a little bit frightened, if we're honest, will you take us and cause your light to shine deeper into even my life? Would you have us allow you to do that work of transforming us from darkness to light even though we're already saved and walking with you and what it be said that he who caused the light to shine out of the darkness has caused his light to shine in our hearts so that we will know the knowledge the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ And we come to you with great boldness only because of him. Amen.